Hi there, listener. It's Matthew. You've come looking for an episode of the Children's Book Podcast, and you've found it. Hooray! But you're probably wondering why the name of the podcast has changed. After eight years of doing the Children's Book Podcast, I began a new career as head of podcasts at A Kid's Company About, where I now oversee a podcast network dedicated to producing original content that talks up to kids, centers the things going on in their world, and engages and challenges how they see the world and themselves. All of the episodes of the Children's Book Podcast are still here, but now, if you're subscribed, you'll get new episodes of Worth Noting, a kid's podcast about current events, hosted by me. Something for you and the young people in your life to enjoy together. Enjoy this episode, and I hope you'll check out Worth Noting and other podcasts from a kid's company about... Support for the Children's Book Podcast comes from the Highlights Foundation, offering intimate and inspiring workshops for children's authors and illustrators. I've loved each of my visits to Highlights for the time away to write, the opportunity to be in community with other writers, the talented and supportive faculty, the delicious meals and wonderful accommodations, and, quite frankly, the opportunity to get away from distractions and to write in the mountains of Northeast Pennsylvania. They've got some really outstanding workshops I want to highlight, including Nurturing Your Artistic Voice, a guide for kid-lit rebels and risk-takers, September 22nd to 25th, 2019, with Newbery-winning author Meg Medina, author-illustrator Carolyn D. Flores, and associate art director Elise Lee. And specifically for picture book illustrators, Storytelling Through Drawing, Discovering Your Visual Voice and Style, October 17 to 20, 2019, with James Ransom, Anna Raff, Jerry Pinckney, Lucy Ruth Cummins, and Sean Qualls. You and your career are worth the investment. Learn more about these and other workshops and online courses by visiting highlightsfoundation.org slash programs. Yeah, um, everything else sounds good on your end, and we're going to sort of just jump in and, and and do the same kind of conversation we just had yeah. at ALA. Just comfortable, easy, talking about the book. Um, I'm hoping that if I said anything brilliant that I can recreate it. That you said, can recreate it, I yeah, know. If I said anything dumb that I don't say it again. Consider, if you will, how often we fail our children, and how often they come back to us with love. This is the Children's Book Podcast, episode number 525. I'm your host, Matthew Winner. My guest today is Kyle Lukoff, author of A Storytelling of Ravens, and When Aiden Became a Brother, the latter of which was our focus in this conversation. When Aiden Became a Brother is about a trans boy who wants to make sure everything is just right for the arrival of his new sibling. Aiden considers throughout the story what growing up was like for him, the experience of trying different clothes, different pronouns, of identifying differently now than when he was younger. It's a beautiful book with the most wonderful illustrations by Kehlani Juanita, and it's one that deserves shelf space in everyone's library. Thank you to Angie Manfredi, author of the Fat Girl Reading Blog, for connecting us. Please welcome my guest, Kyle Lukoff, 
author of When Aiden Became a Brother. My name is Kyle Lukoff. The pronouns that I usually go by are he, him, and his. I am the author of When Aiden Became a Brother. I'm also the author of Storytelling of Ravens, and I'm also an elementary school librarian. Yay, elementary school librarian! Yay. Yay, summer break, maybe more importantly. (laughs) Oh, you have no idea. (laughs) Uh, Well, I'm so glad, Kyle, that we get to talk again. We we got to meet at ALA, and... um, as, as you and I can remember, but no one else will hear, um, we, we found a cozy place to record on the second floor of the conference center, but then everyone decided to use the elevators <laughs> right as we were recording. Including people wheeling very heavy garbage cans. <laughs> Which is fine. Am, That's a very important job. It just means that now we get to have a second conversation. <laughs> That's right. It's um, all the important happenings that go on usually behind closed doors at ALA. I'm glad we got to bear witness to all of it. But um, this also meant that I had a chance to read When Aiden Became a Brother actually multiple times to my daughter. And that was really special. Before, Before I had a PDF of it. And when we go to bed, I don't bring my laptop to bed. We just, you know, bring up a stack of books. Um, and, and this became something really different. So I'm actually... I feel like this is this is the right time that we're supposed to be talking because for me to have had those moments with her has been really, really special. And, you know, it's always cool to come in to talking to an author when when I have a young reader that's experienced it alongside me. Yeah, that's wonderful. Thank you for sharing that. Oh, it's, it's um, the thing that she shared with me, the thing that I didn't know that my daughter taught me was um, paying attention to how the rooms change. And we'll get into that in a minute, but I didn't even think to do like a, what's the same, what's different, comparing between the two rooms uh, in Aiden's room. And I just thought, well, that's a special gift that my four-year-old gave me. So before we get into that, would you mind book talking when Aiden became a brother for those that haven't um, encountered your story yet since it's so new? Sure. Well, when Aiden became a brother came out on June 4th, and it is a picture book about a young transgender boy who is helping his family welcome a new baby. Um, it is illustrated by Keilani Juanita. And the illustrations, as you alluded to, are just packed with all kinds of incredible details. Um, and also, I am transgender like Aiden. And it was fun to bring my like decade plus of experience, like thinking and learning about trans issues to this story. I think, like you said, Kehlani not only did this beautiful, vibrant illustration, this wonderful textures and, and splashes of watercolor everywhere, but you're right, the the amount of, of details that she placed, she really, I feel, understood Aiden's world, Aiden's family, and just what it means to be a family living in a space and having a, a child make that space more comfortable for him or her as as they understand their identity better as they grow. Or maybe as they explore their identity might be a more mm-hmm. appropriate way to put it. Yeah, and as their identity shifts as they learn more about themselves. Shifts, yeah. The um, the the story starts, as you said, um, with Aiden uh, just being a baby, being young, and, and the text reads, when Aiden was born, everyone thought he was a girl. His parents gave him a pretty name, 
His room looked like a girl's room, and he wore clothes that other girls liked wearing. But as Aiden got bigger, he hated the sound of his name. He felt like his room belonged to someone else, and he always ripped or stained his clothes accidentally on purpose. <laughs> I <don't think laughs> a lot that as an excuse now. Like, oh, I'm not going to the table accidentally on purpose. I feel, I feel kind of bad about that now. The accidentally on purpose. There's a number of turns of phrase that you use here that I think are <laughs> are particularly fun, playful ways of wording things that I thought, ooh, I'm going to take that language and use it again. Okay. Um, but accidentally on purpose, um, I think really, really gets it, really sees Aiden. I know that in the back note you say that, you know, there are things that are similar to Aiden's story and yours and a lot of things that are different. And likewise, your readers might feel that they connect with Aiden in one way or not, or just, uh, just feel like there's, there's an emotion that they're connecting with here. But, um, that, that notion of accidentally on purpose doing something as you're figuring out who you are and how you feel like you fit is something that as I was reading to my four-year-old, I was like, you know, Jules, that you've done exactly this before where I don't know how this thing got thrown in the trash or ripped in half or left outside right. or whatever. <laughs> it was an accident, kind of. It was an accident, kind of. Well, because also I mean, know, kids don't have a ton of control over their lives. Like so much of these decisions are made for them by the grownups in their life. And also, you know, some kids don't mind getting in trouble. I was terrified of getting in trouble. So if I wanted to change something and I was afraid to tell my parents, I would kind of have to make it feel like an accident to myself so I wouldn't get in trouble. Oh, yeah. I think that they, children, I mean, I went through this the, the same with, with identity, with, with a lot of things growing up, but I just felt like I really wanted my parents' approval. Yeah. I wanted to not make them sad because it was really the moments that I remember my parents being sad and what felt like were because of me were really hard. They, they continue to stick with me today. So I think that the accidentally on purpose feels also like it's protecting the adult a little bit as well. Yeah. I mean, I know you paid for these clothes and it's important that you paid for these clothes, but um, they got ripped. I'm sorry. Yeah. Exactly. <laughs> Although Aiden does uh, have a wonderful moment at the end. Uh, well, actually, if I go back to the, the room change. Let me flip to the room change. Where, because it's not at the end, where Aiden talks about here. Um, Aiden explored different ways of being a boy. He tried out lots of names until one stuck. They changed his bedroom into a place where he belonged. And here's that line. He also took much better care of his <laughs> new clothes. Yeah. <laughs> I like, so that I wanted to bring up what I had mentioned about my, my what my daughter noticed, that in the very beginning spread um, and then turning to this, I don't know, maybe four or five pages after where we see Aiden sitting in their room in the beginning, um, mom, dad feeling like, look at this awesome room that you get to live in, honey, isn't it great? And turning to Aiden uh, by himself in his room, redecorated, redesigned his way, but noticing what things Kehlani... Uh, indicates to us that he brought over to his new room the giant stuffed bun, the, the rug, the even just repositioning furniture. But knowing that that there were there were things that were still uniquely his in his space, yeah. things, that, 
things that matter to him. You know, I didn't, I didn't tell Kehlani what to make his room look like. I mean, I had some ideas in the notes, but I didn't say like, you know, it has to look this certain way. But I knew that she really understood the story I was trying to tell because she did keep a lot of elements of Aiden's own room. And I felt really strongly about that because I didn't want to set up Aiden's male identity as some kind of like negative reaction to femininity or to say like, because I'm a boy, I have to, I have to hate girl stuff because girl stuff is gross. And that's just misogyny. Um, and I didn't want to like create this little trans boy who hated, who was, you know, a little proto misogynist. Um, so I wanted him to keep the parts of the room that felt right because there's nothing stopping a little trans boy from wanting pink bunny slippers or wanting some cute stuffed animals or liking whatever color he wants to like. Um, and I never told Kehlani what specifically to do, partially because I wasn't allowed to, but I wouldn't have done that anyway because I think that her interpretation of Aiden's self-expression is just so pitch perfect. I love the way that Kehlani sees Aiden, but I want to ask you when you first saw Aiden, what, what drove you to write Aiden's story? I mean, I, I, I think we talked to ALA about just being a librarian, being around books as, as much as, as we both are. I too have that feeling of like, wouldn't it be cool to write a story, to share a story? I have a story idea that I would love to share with children that I feel like is important to children, but to take that next step and to, to do it is not something that all people do. So what was that like for you coming into children's literature? Well, before I even started writing Aiden, I had two book deals already. My first book from Groundwood was due out uh, about eight months before I started the process. That book came out in May of 2018. And I had already sold my second book to Groundwood as well. That one's called Explosion at the Poem Factory. And that one's coming out spring of 2020. Um, so at that point, I already had like a little, very small toehold in the picture book field. Um, and it always felt like I should write a picture book about a trans boy because there were not that many. The ones that existed are largely uh, more independently published or self-published or micro-published. Um, and I wanted one that... I, wa I wanted there to be a book about a trans boy that both included my kind of political ideas about what trans identities mean and can be in the world with my fairly high literary standards. Since, you know, my first two books have nothing to do with queer trans identities. They're just purely wordplay. Um, but I was really resistant to that idea for a long time because I couldn't come up with a story that didn't just rehash the same old tired tropes that didn't uh, rely on stereotypes that I don't appreciate um, and that also don't rely on a really basic, simple, boring story structure. Um, and then one day, I feel like I've told the story a million times now, I was homesick from work and I was making breakfast and I had this sudden image of my head of a little boy saying, this is what my room looked like when I was born and this is what my room looks like now. And framing it not from a place of like, something that a kid has, not framing it from a place of like, this is a bully that attacked me, or the, this is how much my parents cried when I came out, or this is why I hate my body. But really a kid saying, 
this is what everyone thought I was, and this is me telling you who I am. And from and that seed is really where Aiden finally grew out of. Support for the Children's Book Podcast comes from Little Feminist Book Club. Little Feminist wants to help you diversify your child's bookshelf. Each month they send one to two books featuring characters of underrepresented backgrounds. Little Feminist spends months consulting with a team of educators, librarians, and parents to pick each book and create a suite of hands-on activities to accompany them. Whether it's treasure hunts or DIY musical instruments, the goal of the included activities is to make the stories come alive for both children and families. Each box is built around one to two books of the month that feature strong female characters and or people of color. Their books are selected by a team of teachers, librarians, and parents. Go to littlefeminist.com and use the coupon code WINNER for $5 off when you order or click on the link at matthewcwinner.com podcast to get started today. Raise good humans, one children's book at a time. That that sentiment makes me just... I feel on my heart like that is something that we, as parents, as educators, as people that connect with small children, should be, should be really invested in seeing... A child for who they are and letting them tell us who they are not not us just assuming that we know yeah well I also I, think it's like you kind of have to make assumptions about your kids right like they can't tell you anything for a while and then even when they start to talk they're not very good at it no. um, and even when they get better at it you know they're I mean even my identity is still shifting and I'm 35 years old so it, I feel like it's necessary to make some assumptions about your kids just to like get through the day. But I also yeah. often think that it's good to kind of hold those assumptions lightly and understand that your assumptions might be wrong and that's okay because you can change. I'm reminded so when Corey Silverberg won the Stonewall a few years ago for Sex is a Funny Word, um, he gave this really beautiful speech that I don't have memorized, but I wish I did. And he made some comment about how um, how often we fail our children and how often they come back to us with love. And I think that one of the main themes in Aiden is that, yes, you're going to make mistakes and that's okay. It's inevitable. And so long as the fundamental understanding is that we all love each other and we're all trying our best and you can work through, I'd say pretty much anything. I hope I don't have children. I hope that that's true. That sounds about right. I think that, you are modeling that for Aiden as well in your book. And I think that, I mean, I have two children, but I'm, we all as parents learn. We all as, as educators who work with children learn too. In my 14 years teaching, I've, I've continued to learn how to see children. But I like that in, in this story, we, we don't stop with Aiden getting to redesign his room and feel confident in his clothes and feel proud. We, we are bringing in another child, a sibling. Aiden's going to become a brother. And so we see Aiden wrestling with making space for that child to, to be who that child is going to grow up to be. But, but with all these great intentions of wanting to make sure that the child's room is painted just the right color or has the right name or that, um, has the right clothes picked out 
really perhaps trying to to welcome the child into the world the way that Aiden wants to be welcomed now. Is that fair to say? Yeah, completely. But then also knowing that that's such a huge responsibility that you can't necessarily get right because you don't know who this kid's going to be. Absolutely, you don't know who the kid's going to be. And I think that that's why the way you created the parents was so beautiful too. You know, in picture books or in children's books, I think we always strive to keep the parents out of the way, but they can't be completely ignored. They have to be, they have to be the parents. They have to be the force that helps the child navigate the world. And the force that you give Aiden is, is, is these two individuals that will listen to Aiden and will, will take those concerns. Um, Mom asks, are you feeling okay at one point? Just because she can read that Aiden you know, the Aiden's having a hard time, having some anxiety over what this new child is going to be. But I love the the words that you give mom here, Kyle, that, that mom, do, I'm sorry, I'm, just like, I'm reading your entire book to you. Is this okay? <laughs> oh, it's great. I mean, I feel, so long as the audience feels fine about it too. Hashtag mom, <laughs> the, 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 the text reads, mom hugged him tight. And she says, when you were born, we didn't know you were going to be our son. We made some mistakes, but you helped us fix them. And you taught us how important it is to love someone for exactly who they are. This baby is so lucky to have you, and so are we. Kyle, you... you I know from your word playbooks that you are like fun at playing with words and that kind of playfulness, but my goodness, do you know how to, to, to speak love as well? And I'm grateful for the individuals in your life, the experiences that you've had, the, 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 the way that working with children has reflected back on you, that you have these words that you're able to share with us. I think that that comes entirely from working with kids. Um, I think that the seven years that I've been working in an elementary school has made me much better at both like talking about feelings and having feelings. Um, since, you know, most of teaching is just making sure that the kids are safe physically and emotionally. And my school does a really good job of that kind of social emotional growth with kids. So when I first started, I had no idea how to talk about feelings. I was really bad at it and I'm still not great at it. Just ask anyone I go on dates with. Um, <laughs> but I would listen to teachers pull out kids in the hallway and be like, hey, it seems like you're feeling really sad right now. Your friend must have really hurt your feelings. Can you tell me what would make it better right now? And just like listening to them, like practice and reinforce that language of feelings, I think. I don't think I could have written Aiden if I hadn't had that practice talking about feelings with really little kids. Um, I don't know where that sentence came from, honestly. That just kind of came from the good ether. I don't know how that, it doesn't seem like something that I would have written because I, <laughs> I don't know. I have not had any friends say to my face that this book feels really uncharacteristic for me, but I ended up thinking that because this is not, that is, that tends to not be how I am in real life. Although I'm getting oh, better. Yeah. I told my friend yesterday that I was really proud of him and I meant it. So I'm growing. It's like you're writing aspirational picture books for yourself. I really, I mean, I really am. I really am. Next school year when the kids return and you're reading your book to them and you're like, look, 
I'm becoming this person. <laughs> right. Oh. I have feelings and I know how to talk about them too, just like you. Oh. Well, I wanted to talk on record about this too because we we got into this at ALA, but I want to know about the experience of your students knowing you as an author and as a published author as well. You've had kids know you. Are you are are you uh, is your school kindergarten through five? Is it? Uh, it's actually school? two two year olds up through fifth grade. Oh wow, very so young babies. Yeah, like little and, perfect babies. And you get to see all of them. I do. Yeah, I, they all they all visit the library throughout the course of the year. Yeah. That's wonderful. But so tell me a, a little bit about what it's been like for them to be aware that you make books. My students have been like, whenever I give them little, you know, nuggets of hints that I write comics or whatever, they all, all they want to do is like share stories. Let's exchange. Show me what you wrote and I'll show you what I wrote. It's so cute. That is really cute. Um, I don't really know. I think also because it's such a slow process. Like they're saying, you know, I have a book that's coming out in two years and in two years, you're going to be an entirely different person. So that means nothing to you. Um, There are some kids who are consistently surprised when I tell them that I have a book because they forget every single time and that's fine. Um, Sometimes parents send me pictures of their kids posing next to my books in bookstores, which is really magical. Um, There are some kids who think that I am the most famous person in the whole world, which is not Um, there are some kids who I think don't know the difference between being traditionally published and stapling together your best drawings and showing them to your teacher. And that's, um, there's a lot of people who don't know that difference. Um, Oh no. (laughs) I didn't say that. Um, I think, I mean, I can't really tell you what it's like for them because I don't know what it would be like to have a teacher who wrote books that were in the library, but for the most part, they're all, very excited. My kids love me a lot. I love them a lot. Um, and a lot of them came to the launch party for Aiden, which was a Books of Wonder earlier in early June. And that was really fun too. Um, but I don't really know what it means to them. I think that the kids whose parents work in publishing have a better idea of the whole process. And then for other kids, it's just like, yeah, of course you read books. It makes sense that you would write books. And they don't really know like the whole publishing process, which Again, a lot of people don't, so I can forgive them for that. I did have, oh, this was beautiful. I read, when my first book came out, I read it to a class of, I believe they were kindergartners or maybe first graders. No, first graders. And this one little girl asked me if I was going to win the Caldecott. And the answer was no for three reasons. Reason number one, I didn't do the illustrations. Reason two, it didn't come out. It wasn't even out yet, so it couldn't win. And number three, it was a Groundwood text, which is Canadian, and Canadian books aren't eligible for the Caldecott. But all I said was like, no, sweetie, I can't win the Caldecott because I just did the words. I didn't draw the pictures. And she looked so like aggrieved. And she said, well, nobody's perfect. Oh. <laughs> Wait, so the, this is the book with the, what is it? The side-eyed looking yeah, otters. Is it the otters? Yeah, <laughs> uh, Storytelling with Ravens. Yeah. Of course. I just yeah. remember that. The the looks on the on the characters is so good. Oh, they're all so grumpy. Have you added the books to your library collection yet? I have, which have I children don't... have they been circulating? Um no, but <laughs> that's because a lot of people at my school own copies already. Oh, that's so cool. Yeah. Well, I, I think that I think that the way you see children and the way you're making yourself available to them in 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 
in reading to them and sharing stories with them and also sharing your own stories with them is really really something special it's something that i hope to experience one day as something that i think many uh people i mean when we're librarians and we bring authors into our school it's like mind-blowing to have an actual physical person in front of children who makes books for both the teachers and the kids so to have that person be your teacher every day is just something sort of bizarre and cool at the same time yeah, I mean, there's also that phrase about how famili- familiarity breeds indifference, right? So oh, that's true. But my kids aren't indifferent. They're very, they're very excited. It's just, <laughs> it's an everyday kind of, it's an everyday kind of excitement, not a once a year kind of excitement. True. I mean, they do think you're a celebrity. So that's, you know, some not, them, nothing some to scoff them. at. Some of them. <laughs> some of them. Well, um, listen, Kyle, it was really wonderful talking to you again and really, really great to be able to talk to you about when Aiden became a brother. There's so much here that um, that I think is so special and works so well and uh, I, I think um, is, is given even more light and beauty when read in front of children. And I look forward to reading it in front of a class of children as well. That's something that I think will be really special when we come wow. to the fall. But for now, to read it, with my own children and to have these really special moments with my daughter uh, is a gift that, that I owe you all gratitude for because you helped make this book a thing. I did help. Thank you. <laughs> Thank you so much, Matthew. I really, I really appreciate, I don't know. I really appreciate it. I, I really do mean sincerely that, that putting this book out in the world is something special that we should be grateful for. I think that, uh, often I'm searching for not only, you brought this up a little bit earlier, not only um, books that can give me LGBTQ representation from voices, written from voices that have experienced or know know the context or know the emotions or familiar with things like this, but also books that are beautifully made. And Lee and Lowe and Kehlani and the, the team did a really, really beautiful job with this book. Um, it, it feels like the care that needed to be put into the story to, to really glorify Aiden and, and what Aiden had to say. I agree. Yay for that. Yay for that. All right. Well, speaking of children and, uh, you and all the, all the more things, you've got this. Um, Kyle. I have to do some glamorous author work of scrubbing my kitchen floor because it's kind of gross. kyle not today but soon i will see a library full of children is there a message that i can bring to them from you oh you asked me about this and i forgot to come up with an answer (laughs) um just so the page where it says where mom says that you you taught us how to love someone for exactly who they are this baby is so lucky to have you and so are we i I love reading that line to children because I want to tell them that they teach their parents and they teach the people around them how to love them for who they are and that we are so lucky to have them here. And I believe that that's true of every single child that I read that book to. This is Darshna Kiani, author of How to Wear a Sari, coming in fall 2020. Want to find out the latest South Asian books in children's literature? Check out www.darshanakhiani.com 
forward slash South Asian Kid Lit. The Children's Book Podcast is recorded and produced by Matthew Winner in his library studio in Ellicott City, Maryland. You can subscribe to the podcast and access the archive of over 400 episodes at matthewcwinner.com forward slash podcast. Our theme music is by Pottington Bear, care of the Free Music Archive. All views and opinions expressed on the show are those of the individuals and do not reflect ideas or viewpoints of the publishers of the books referenced. Want to help out the show? Writing a review on iTunes or sharing the podcast with friends through Facebook, Twitter, word of mouth, or any other means helps reach more listeners, which leads to more content and more amazing guests. And that's a very good thing indeed. Before we leave, I want to give a shout out to all of my patrons, those folks who are supporting the podcast and keeping the lights on care of our Patreon page. Thank you, Jenny, Sue, Amy, Sarah, Kate, Lisa, Darshna, Marianne, Jarrett, Anitra, Mike, Lynn, Link, Karina, Cynthia, Elaine, Doug, Judy, Amanda, Ruth, Laura, Teresa, and others who are coming with me on this journey. You're welcome to come with us, too. Just visit patreon.com slash Matthew C. Winner and pick the support tier that's right for you. Teamwork makes the dream work, and each of you are helping to provide the tools necessary to make this podcast even greater. Thank you. We know you value what you put in front of your kids, especially when it comes to screens and podcasts. That's why we're excited to share a new podcast from our friends at Sleepiest, creating bedtime stories to help your kids fall asleep fast. Hello, Abby here. If you've got children and find bedtimes a struggle, I'd like to tell you about Coco Sleep, a children's story podcast designed to make bedtime a dream. Coco Sleep turns a chaotic bedtime into cozy bonding time. The stories are delivered in a pace that gently slows. Rumour has it that no one's ever heard an ending. So search Coco Sleep on your favourite podcast app and let's make bedtime a dream. That's K-O-K-O Sleep and I'll see you there.